0: Can you believe that it is almost September? Can you believe that? Some of you are like, I don't want the summer to end. Some of you are maybe excited about that if your parents and the kids are going back to school or whatever that looks like. Uh, I know for myself, I used to dread this time of year growing up because it seemed like those endless summer days were now uh, coming to a close and no more sleeping in till noon. Uh, or after. Uh, many of you remember those days. And now that I am a dad, I'm wondering if I can ever sleep in past eight uh, again. So some of you parents know what that's like uh, as well. But I'll tell you what, this time around, this summer, uh, with you as a church, I am not bummed one bit. I am actually really, really excited for the fall. And a lot of the things that Andy mentioned in the announcements earlier with the core class coming up and things like that. Do you know that over half of this church has taken that class? I mean, praise God for that, Uh, and it's only been going for a year and a half, but we'd love to have all of you take it, so I'll put in a little plug uh, for that, but that's looking ahead, looking back, I don't know if you remember back in May, I made this startling announcement to you, and it was this, we're going to stay open for the summer. I know, it's crazy talk, but a lot of times we think we kind of shut down as a church, and we go, oh, let's just kind of get lazy and take the summer off. Well, in fact, as I was thinking about it this week, you've actually done the opposite, as a church. And a lot of you have taken uh, part in a lot of the things we've had going on this summer, but it's not the first time that you've blown me away as a church. But I can tell you, I've actually seen more love, more joy, more enthusiasm, more passion for loving each other and reaching out to this city in the past few months, I can honestly say, than ever before. And so I just want to say, God was on the move this summer through you. Just a few things. If, you, if you've been in and out, if you don't know what's been going on, from this church right here, God through you. We saw uh, several homes and, and, and lawns get remodeled and renovated. We saw hundreds of backpacks being filled for kids that go back to school. Here all over the city, we saw life groups multiplying and going deeper than ever before. We've seen many of you step up into leadership roles and take up the challenge uh, of jumping into leadership development groups and things like that. And despite all of your fears, uh, you're rocking it and doing an awesome job as leaders. Uh, We've seen those people who were once far from God and, and didn't understand what church was like, an authentic community, come to faith for the very first time, including, you might have missed this a couple weeks ago, we had our baptism service at the river, 22 new people were baptized a couple weeks ago, so praise God for that, that's exciting, that is really exciting. A lot of those folks are obviously uh, at our first service, and maybe some of you are here today, I don't know, but it was an awesome, awesome time, and to cap it all off, uh, last night many of you were here for the backyard barbecue that we had, and what a way to end the summer with a little bingo, Amen. Because you're not a church unless you have a bingo game, right? So uh, that, was, that was fun. So God did not take the summer off. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen? All right. You're the 11 o'clock service. Here we go. You should be awake by now, all right? So what I want to do is I want to share with you the Apostle Paul's words for the church of Philippi a couple thousand years ago, but I believe that they apply to us today and they are my heart for you today. Even though I don't know some of you the best, even maybe it's your first day here, it's still my heart for you. Because I love being the church with you. And so this is up up on the screen. You can read it. And I just want to read this for you. Philippians 1, 4. So this is Paul speaking to the church of Philippi. And this is my heart for you this morning. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ. That's honestly my heart (laughs) For you. I am so excited for what God is doing in our church and among us. And we can be the church because you are the church. I can't do it alone. We as a staff can't do it alone. It's you being the church. And I can honestly say that I, I, I am so excited. I am so proud of you as a church. And I've never been more excited for what God is going to do uh, in the months ahead. And so I would want you to know that we pray for you and we continue to pray for you. That God would continue to do amazing things through you. So as we get started this morning, uh, I just want you to, to feel that wash over you uh, and just, just bask in God's love this morning. And so I just want to start out with a word of prayer. So would you bow your heads with me? God, it is good to be in your presence. And we know that, that uh, where two of us are more gathered in your name, you promise us that you will be there. And that, that is us this morning. We are here for nothing else than for you. We just thank you for a moment to rest. To just be still and to take a deep breath from our week. From all our running around and rushing about. And I just pray, God, that for the next few minutes that you would slow us down. And that you would open our hearts to your word this morning. That you would speak to us in a brand new way, in a very personal way direct, powerful way this morning and teach us something new about who you are. I pray that this morning that we would not just be hearers of the word, but that we would be doers, that we would apply what we learn this morning. And we pray it all in your name. And all God's people said together, amen. Amen. All right. Um, Another reason that it's been a great summer is because we've been in this sermon series called Since You Asked. And I hope that you've enjoyed it uh, as much as we have, and we've been tackling a lot of tough questions about, you know, evil and suffering and why does God allow this to happen, but also very practical uh, ways. How do we live out our faith? What's money and tithing all about? We've wrestled with all those questions. If you've been in and, excuse me, in and out this summer, uh, I want you to know that Hope Des Moines does have a podcast as well. So you can go back and listen to any sermon from the last six years uh, on there. Every single one of them is on our website. So uh, hop on hopedesmoines.org. If you've been out and missed a week, we would encourage you uh, to get caught up uh, on this sermon series. And so we've had some big questions, we've had some little questions, but we've also had some questions that no matter if this is your first time here this morning or you've been coming since day one, uh, it's important to be reminded of certain things. It's easy to forget sometimes the most important things. And that's certainly true of our question today, which is simply this Who is Hope Des Moines? Who is Hope Des Moines? Or the first service, I stated that question and somebody from the back this morning yelled out, we are. And I said, great, my job's done. And I walked off, right? End of sermon. We don't need to go any farther, right? I want you to think a little bit deeper about that with, with me this morning is that we've talked about our, our mission and our vision here before, but I think it goes a little bit deeper than that. When people think about Hope Des Moines, when they drive by and see that sign there on 42nd Street, when they go to our website or they hear about this place here at Hubble Elementary, what do they think of? What do they think of? What, what comes to mind? If you're talking to a coworker or a neighbor or, or uh, you know whoever you're talking to, somebody that's not familiar with the church, how would you describe us? How would you describe who we are? What does it mean to be the church? And I wonder, how would you describe... Hope, Des Moines, to a complete stranger? That was our question of the day today during offering. So I'm not just going to pose that question to you. I'm actually going to have you practice it. You're actually going to do it. And you're like, oh, I came to church. I have to talk to people? Yes, you have to talk to people. We're going to force you to uh, because we're the church and that's what we do. So... What I want you to do this morning is turn to the person next to you in just a second. So find a partner. If you need to go across the room, you can do that as well. I'm going to give you a couple minutes, and I want you to pretend that each of you are going to do this, that you've never heard of this place before. You're skeptical of the church. You're not really interested in church. You're just a complete stranger. You've never met each other. And I want you to describe who is Hope Des Moines to that person with one rule. You can't talk about this building. That's the only rule. You can use whatever language and talk however you want. One rule, you can't talk about this building. To answer the question, who is Hope Des Moines? So you're explaining that to a complete stranger. So partner up. I'm gonna give you a couple minutes. This is an all play. This is for everybody. Even if you have no idea what you're doing, just go for it. Find a partner, go for it. All right, I'm gonna go ahead and cut you off. I'm sure you could keep going. You're always a chatty bunch. Quit being so relational with each other all the time. I tell you what, all right? So for some of you, that was incredibly awkward. And for some of you, like, I wish we could do that the entire sermon. I never have to listen to that guy, right? You know, but here's the thing. If I had you come up one at a time and share what you shared, we'd get a hundred different answers, I bet, wouldn't we? But does that make any of them wrong? No, it's what it is to you. I'm sure there's a lot of similarities to that, and here's why we did that. Not because it's about us, because it's all about him, but it's important that we understand not just who we are as Hope Des Moines, but who we are as a church. If you notice, I asked the question, who is Hope Des Moines, not what is Hope Des Moines? And there's a reason I did that, because the church is not a building, the church is us. You. You are the church. And so if we're going to discover who we are, not just what we are, that's why I said it, it's not about a building, because all of us could go out to Drake Park and sit in the middle of the grass, and would we still be Hope Des Moines? Yes. We are the church. So if we're going to discover what God created the church to be, who we are at our core identity, we should probably go back and let God tell us what the church is instead of what we think the church should be. Amen? Amen. So if you got your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 1, is actually where we're going to start this morning. I'd encourage every single one of you to grab a Bible, every single one of you, and if you are not in that habit, I would encourage you to do that, that uh, coming to worship every single week would seem weird without a Bible in your hand. That's just kind of what we do. So it's an all-play for everybody, and we're going to start in Acts chapter 1, verse 6. So Acts is right after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. So when we arrive on the scene, Jesus has just come back from the dead. Minor detail, right? No, big deal, right? How many people do you know that ruined their own funeral? One, right? Jesus is really good at ruining people's funerals. He ruined his own, right? He comes back from the dead, right? And now we're saying, what's next? What's going on? So all his disciples and his followers are gathered together and they're waiting for their instructions. What do we do now? And that's kind of, I think, what we're asking this morning, too. Okay, what do we do? To which Jesus responds in verse chapter 8, to let me paraphrase before I read it, what's next? You are. Oh, hold on, Jesus, right? Before we get to the verse. uh, Jesus, aren't you supposed to, like, kick out Caesar and the Roman government and then you can take over and be a king like David was and everything? No, Jesus says, no, 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 no. That's not what I came to do. I came to serve. I came to love. I came to give my life for you what's next you are and here's why we pick up in verse 6 jesus says but you no it's not he doesn't say i will do this he says but you the church will receive power when the holy spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in jerusalem throughout judea and samaria and to the ends of the earth Boom, that's it. Jesus' final words, and then he goes up the giant zip line up to heaven, probably asking on his way up, okay, any questions? Okay, good, right? That was a joke, by the way. He didn't actually say that, right? And you can imagine the disciples going, wait, uh, a couple questions, Jesus. Is, Is that it? You know, he's like, you got it. If there was one more verse in the gospels, if you could just tack on one more thing, do you know what I think Jesus would have said? You've got everything you need to do what I've called you to do. And he says that to every single one of you this morning. Do you know this morning that if you are in Christ, that's what it means to be a Christian, your identity is in him. You are in Christ. When God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin and brokenness, he sees his son. So you are in Christ. If you are a Christian this morning, if you are following Jesus, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in you. Let's stop beating around the bush. Let's stop playing it safe. Let's stop just playing church. Believe that this morning and go live in that. The same spirit that was poured out here in the book of Acts and Pentecost is being poured out into your hearts. You have it. You have the exact same spirit that I have. (laughs) Every single one of us are the same in that sense. If you are in Christ, that power lives in you. Think about that this morning. That's powerful. Just let, let that soak in for a second. So Jesus said, you know, what's next? You are. Everything that you've seen me do, you go and do it. Go be my witnesses and extend my kingdom in this earth. And so essentially, this is important now, the book of Acts, meaning the beginning, the birth of the church, starts out with Jesus telling a ragtag group of imperfect people, I am sending you out not to start a church service, not to just go build a building, okay? He says, I am sending you out as a movement that will not and cannot be stopped of people on mission. The very first identity that followers of Jesus that eventually become, one chapter later in Acts chapter 2, they become the church, their very first identity is sent ones. Hear the word apostle a lot. Do you know what apostle literally means? sent one. So they, their identity has changed from disciples to apostles. They are now sent. And that is the true identity of every single one of us this morning. We are sent ones. And so the church didn't start with a building for services. It started with a movement of people who have been set on fire by Jesus' life and sent on mission. Now, what is that mission? Now, before we get to that, I want to take a step back. When you think about mission or mission statement, pretty much every business or company or organization or church of any sort has a mission statement that kind of guides them and determines everything that they do and what they're about. It gives purpose and direction to everything that they do. So we're going to play a little trivia this morning. I'm going to read off a popular mission statement of a popular group or company or organization, and I want you to yell out, yes, you can yell out in church, uh, yell out what that company or business is, okay? I'm going to give you the mission statement. You try to guess what it's for. So these are actually off their website, okay? You can, you can check me on that, all right? So here we go. Number one, here's the statement. To inspire and nurture the human spirit, one person, one cup, and one neighborhood at a time. Who is that? Yell it out. Starbucks, Starbucks. wow, you're smart. Good job, nice work. Yeah, that's... That's something worth getting up in the morning for, right? Notice they didn't say anything about coffee. Maybe the same reason I didn't have you say anything about a building. Because maybe what Starbucks is after is not coffee. You ever think about that? Number two, here's the next statement. We create happiness by providing the finest in entertainment for people of all ages everywhere. Man, you're smart. Wow, yes, the Disney Corporation. That's a powerful mission, isn't it? That's a pretty bold statement, right? All ages everywhere. Okay, number three. Here's a fun one. You're not going to get this one, I don't think. A work in progress. Some of you are like, me? My mission statement? Can you guess what that is? You know it. Twitter. You can go check me on it. The last time I looked at their website, it says that is our mission right now. We are just, we're a work in progress. So they must have big plans, right? Something's going on there. All right, last but not least, number four, to be our customer's favorite place to eat and drink. Chick-fil-A and McDonald's. It's McDonald's. That's right. Absolutely. So that, that kind of makes sense. Okay, last but not least. To reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. Hey, you got it. Awesome. Five out of, well, four out of five. You missed Twitter. Okay, but I'm glad you got that one. And you know what? Here's the difference between that one and all the other ones I just read. I think that one's giving, worth giving our lives to. I think that one's worth getting up in the morning every single day for. Because that's the one that's going to change people's lives. Not us, but God through us. And you might be saying, oh, that's a, that's a cute little mission statement. John, you know, reach out to the world around us and everything. We didn't come up with it. It's not our slogan. Instead, we believe that it's right from the lips of Jesus. That He makes it very clear and direct. In Scripture, and the Gospels, Jesus gives us a great commission, and he gives us a great commandment. Everybody say commission and commandment. And you put those two things together, and that's how we get our mission statement as Lutheran Church of Hope. That's, that's who we are. So first of all, turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. That's where we're going to find the Great Commission. If you don't have this uh, passage underlined, circled, highlighted, the page bent, marked with a Crayola crayon, I think you should do that, right? We've spent some time here as a church the last couple of years. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And this is the Great Commission. Again, some of Jesus' final words, his parting shot, and he says this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them, verse 20, everything I have commanded you. So of all the things that Jesus could have said, his, the most important words, he says this, the mission is simple, teach people to become like me, to be my disciples in every aspect of their life. Go wherever you need to go, no matter what it takes and I want to point something out here just as a sidebar does Jesus say go and be, go and build the church does he say go and make church what does he say go and make disciples because here's the truth that Jesus is trying to get us to understand when you make disciples you will always get the church but if you just play church you may not always get disciples you following me It's a very important distinction. That's why Jesus said, this is your number one goal. Make disciples. And when you do that, when you go anywhere that God calls you and teach people to live like me in every aspect of your life, no area of your life is off limits. This is what I'm calling you to do. This is a part of Jesus' mission statement. By the way, do you have a mission statement for your marriage? for your relationship that you're in? Do you have a mission statement for your family? Everybody that lives under this roof, this is what we're about. It might not hurt. Just a little sidebar there. Good, good good, time with your spouse tonight. Come up with a mission statement. What are you about? Just throwing that out there. So we have the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. That's what Jesus is calling us to do. But when we go on this commission, we always do it with love. It starts and ends with love. And that's where the great commandment comes in. So turn with me to Mark chapter 12, just the next gospel. So Matthew and then Mark, Mark chapter 12. And we're going to pick it up in verse 28. Mark chapter 12 verse 28. So as you're going, Jesus says, and making disciples, how are you going to do that? Jesus has got himself in a pickle with the Pharisees. In the Old Testament there was over 600 laws. And so they're trying to trap Jesus and they're going to ask him, "Okay, so boil it down, which one's the most important?" They're trying to make Jesus go, "Uh, I don't know, right? Jesus never said, I don't know. He just responded to their question with another question. That's normally what Jesus does. It drove them nuts. But he answers it this time, and we pick it up uh, in verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Verse 29, the most important one answered Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then verse 30, let's read this together up on the screen. Nice and loud. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Heard of a pastor once that preached on that for like a month and then two months and then three months. He kept preaching on that verse. And some of the leaders of the congregation came up to him and said, Pastor, I appreciate your preaching and everything, but I think it's time to go a little bit deeper, right? We just keep talking about love. It's pretty basic to, to Christianity. I think, I think it's time we need some deeper, deeper teaching from you. And the pastor looked at him and he said, Hey guys, nothing, nothing against you. We're all in this together. But uh, when's the last time that you feel like you went an entire week and loved your neighbor as yourself? That's pretty deep, isn't it? Oh, yeah. So maybe the goal of preaching and maybe the goal of Bible study is not the Bible study. Maybe it's to do the word, to apply it. So he said, I'll go deeper when our entire congregation is loving their neighbor as much as they love themselves. That's tough. I don't do that every day. I don't know about you. I don't even know if I love my wife as much as I love myself sometimes, or my son or my friends, let alone Jesus says, love your enemies? That's deep, right? That's deep. Now think about that. Yes, we're going to go and we're going to preach on other things, but I just want you to think about that for a second. Jesus says, if you're going to be known for anything as a church, be known as the church that just loves people deeply. That's what he says. Be known for that. If you're going to be known for anything, be so passionately in love with Jesus. Just, just be set on fire for him and, and, and invite other people to watch you come burn. Say, <laughs> I want that. I, I, I don't know what it is that you have, but I want that. Love people well. Be in love with Jesus, and then it's too good to keep to ourselves so we share it with those around us. Love covers a lot of things. I remember when we first started as a church, back when we were called City Branch, when we started this church, I think I was like 12 felt like it. Uh, but we had no clue what we were doing, and as if we know what we're doing now. But um, we, we were, things were not going well. And so there was a Sunday when just a lot of things went wrong. And as a pastor, as a leader of the church, you're always kind of walking around behind the scenes trying to make sure that everything is perfect and going well. And I remember we were about a month into the church, and there was one Sunday where somebody forgot the donut holes, the coffee tasted like tree bark. Uh, the computer wasn't working. The screens weren't working. Uh, the, the band was out of tune. So one of the speakers was like going it was really off pitch. Uh, the band didn't sound that great that day. My sermon was sketchy at best. Uh, it was just a not a good day. So I was so bummed out. I was like, man, are we having an impact at all? Nobody's going to come back. It's going to be terrible. So I'm sauntering out to my car. I'm walking down that hallway up on the second floor. I'm just walking through the lockers up there going, what are we doing? We're trying to do church in an elementary school gym. Like, geez, what are we doing here? And I hear a couple guys talking behind me. I don't think that they knew it was me. They were far enough behind. And I wasn't like eavesdropping, but it was hard not to hear their conversation. And I heard one guy say to the other person, I knew that they were in worship that day, and I heard one of them say to the other one, you know what? I really like it here. This is a cool place. And the other guy goes, yeah, me too. It's like they really love us here. I think I collapsed into the locker, you know. And I was just thinking, like, I could just stopped right there with all my woe-is-me attitude about life. And I just said, here, God, in an elementary school hallway in the middle of Des Moines, if we can be church here, we can be the church anywhere. And all of a sudden, all that piddly little details didn't mean anything anymore because that's why we do what we do. Let's be known as that church because you know what changes people? Love. Not guilt, not shame. If you want to change your spouse, if you want to change your roommate, if you want better friends, (laughs) love them. You can't guilt people into things. You can't force them into things. You can't judge them into things. Love changes people. Serve your spouse. Serve your family. Serve each other. That's what's going to change you. And that's why Jesus says, that's what it boils down to. Love each other with the same kind of love that you love yourself. It's like they really love us here. And it makes me wonder, what if our posture of coming in those doors every single week was who can I bless today? Who can I love today? What can I bring to this community? Not what can this community give to me? What can I get out of it? It's like you're going to the store, or you're going to the movie theater, I'm just going to consume, 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 consume. I don't see that anywhere in the Great Commission or the Great Commandment. So God, what do, you, what do you want to do through me for this church? Who do you want to bless through me this morning? A hug, a handshake, a high five, a fist bump, whatever it is, God, how do you want to use me? And so what we do is we take the great commission and we take the great commandment and we put them together like an egg McMuffin and that's how we get Hope's mission statement, which is to reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ, but you're not going to remember it unless we do actions. If you've been around here long enough, you know you don't have a choice. Even if it seems silly, get your arms out, shake them out, We're all in this together. You're all going to look silly together, right? Repeat after me. Ready? Ready? Reach out to the world around us. Oh, geez, people. Blah, 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 blah. Go to church, drink some coffee. Here we go. Reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. Okay, let's put it all together, all at once. Here we go. Ready? Reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. That's more like it. I love it. Give yourself a round of applause. There you go. That wasn't so bad, was it? Right? Some of you are going to be doing that on the way home in your car. YMCA, right? Whatever you do, right? That's why we exist. Now listen to this. Not just to have a mission statement that hangs on a plaque on the wall. We don't have that. Do you know where the mission statement happens? In you when we share God's love with those around us, for your neighbors who are still skeptical of church, for your coworker that's wrestling through a divorce, for that empty chair in your life group that's waiting to be filled, for that person that you wave to awkwardly every single week on your way to work on your block that needs to experience the same love and acceptance that you've experienced here. That's why we do what we do for the tens of thousands of people in Des Moines that don't have a church home, that don't yet know Jesus. That's why our mission statement is what it is. And just a side note, we're not competing with other churches. (laughs) We're not trying to get other people. That's not in our mission statement, by the way, to be the biggest and the best church in Des Moines, right? I think actually a part of our mission statement should be to make every other church better than us to pray for them, to support them, to serve them. And we do that. I meet with these other pastors regularly and I say, how can we love you? How can we support you? Why? Number one, because we're all on the same team, right? It's not about hope. It's about the kingdom, okay? And that's why we support all those other churches. And number two, because the stakes are too high because it's a matter of life and death, Heaven forbid that we sit here and go. The goal is to get more people to our church. No, the goal is to get as many people possible connected with the life-changing love of Jesus Christ. That's why we do what we do. And if other churches can do that, awesome. I meet with these other pastors on a regular basis. They are praying for you. We are praying for them. We talk on a regular basis about all the weird people that we want to trade with each other from our churches. I'm just kidding. Some of you are like, really? Really? Am I on the chopping block? No, I'm not. I'm just kidding, right? But we talk with them on a regular basis. It's not a popularity contest. It's about making disciples, no matter what worshiping community they're a part of. Jesus pretty, puts it pretty clearly, what you should be known for as a church. Let's read this together up on the screen. This is John 13, 35. Let's read it together. By this... Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus says it's got to be the mission of being disciples and loving people that defines you. Not your style of worship, not your size, not where you worship, because those things are always going to change. The question is, are you on board with the mission? Are you on board with the mission? Because we might not always worship here. We might not always just worship on Sundays. We might try different groups. We might try different classes or outreach events. We might sing different songs. We might have different instruments up here. Instead of giving high fives to people some week, we might give knocks. Who knows? We might just mix it up, right? But does any of that stuff that I just mentioned change our mission as a church? No. No. No, Jesus makes that pretty clear. People often ask me, John, like, what's your goal for Hope Des Moines? And what they're always asking is, how big do you want it to get? I mean, how many hundreds of people do you want? I mean, wouldn't that be really cool if you had hundreds of people, thousands of people? What's your goal? You know what I tell them? Our goal is not to be 100 people. Our goal is not to be 300 or 350, whatever we are. Our goal is not to be 500 people. Our goal is not to be 1,000 people or 10,000 people. Our goal is to make disciples and love people the best that we can and leave the results up to God. Amen? Our job is to be faithful. Remember our scripture reading for today that Laura read for us? We water, we plant seeds, but who makes things grow? God. He decides what this church looks like, not us. It was his idea, not ours. So if you're stuck on a certain preacher or worship leader or a certain place where we worship or a certain style of worshiping or a certain number of people here, I hate to break it to you, it's gonna change because God is on a mission and things are moving and growing. Healthy things grow deep and wide. And that's who we're called to be as a church if we stay focused on our Mission. The question is, are you on board with the mission? Are you on board with some detail about our community? For the mission to see God change lives, to see eternity change for people, that's worth giving your life to. And then the little things start to make sense. Some of us, oh, I'm so, I am get tired of setting up chairs. I, I get tired of getting here early. There was people here at 6.30 this morning setting things up. Oh, I'd rather sleep in. Oh, I don't want to brew coffee. Oh, I don't want to lift one more speaker. It's tough sometimes. I get that. But if it was up to us, we would have quit by now. That's why we always have to reconnect to the mission. What is it that drives us and compels us? Oh, that there's nothing better than seeing God change lives. That's it. That's why we do what we do. That's why we gather every week. That's why we gather in each other's homes. That's why we're out in this community serving. When it would be easier not to. That's why we exist as a satellite in this neighborhood. It's because people here, down the block, need to know that love. That's why we do what we do. Because watching God change lives will always be more important than your comfort level. That's why we do what we do. And so we begin today by asking a simple question, who is Hope Des Moines? And I, I hope that we've kind of shifted our focus to who's the church? What does it mean to be faithful as a church? And I think I learned a couple of weeks ago the answer might be closer than we think. You heard me talk about this baptism service that we had uh, back a couple weeks ago down at the Raccoon River. And... So you heard me mention about this, and we're doing exactly what Jesus says in Matthew 28. We're baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And before we did that, we did a short baptism class. And, and as I was teaching it, I, I tell everyone this, and I want to tell you this this morning. For those that are in Christ, this is true of you as well. I said, do you know that you're becoming brand new today? That that's your identity? You're not who you were anymore? That's true for all of us. And if you're interested in getting baptized, I'm serious. If you haven't ever experienced that or did long ago and want to reaffirm your baptism, we would love to do that. Just let me know. So I told the group, I said, when you think about it, baptism, when you go under that water, the old you is dying, dead, done, over with. Your fears, your mistakes, your guilt over the past, your sin, it's done because Jesus dealt with it once and for all on the cross. So when you go under that water, the past, your old self, is dying, and when you come back up, you are a new person. Now, who is that? What are we baptizing you in? The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's your new identity because if you are baptized in the Father, he's your father, which means you're his kid, which means we're brothers and sisters, and that makes us family. And so you're called to love each other as family. Baptized in the Father. I'm baptized in the name of the Son, who is Jesus, who is our King. And if he's our King, that means we're his servants. And we're called to be servants of all because he first served us by washing our dirty, grimy feet and eventually laying down his life for us. So we're called to be not just family members, but to serve. Father, Son, baptized in the name of the Holy Spirit, that same Spirit we talked about in Acts that equips and empowers you to go out and to be witnesses. So when you come up from that water, you're not who you used to be, you're who you are now, who God says you are. And I thought about that. That applies to us. It's not just us as individuals, it's us as the church. So who are we? We're family, we're servants, and we're missionaries. Des Moines. That's who we are. That's how I would describe Hope Des Moines. That's who we are. And it's not just for those that were baptized that day, it's for all of us. It's for all of us. That's who we are family, servants, missionaries. Are we perfect? No. Do we always get it right? No. Are we the slickest show in town? No. Seriously, Andy walked up here at the first service without any shoes on, right? I got some loafers, I got discount, right? We got a lot of room to grow here, right? We don't have it all together. We're not perfect. But I love, love, love how Paul puts it in Romans chapter chapter 6. He says this about our baptism, who we are in Christ. He says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death We were therefore buried with him in baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too might have life in him. Remember your baptism. Every single day, it's who you are, whether you believe it or not. Christianity is believing who God says you already are and learning to live like it's true. As the church. And sometimes we just need to be reminded of that. And so I want you to listen and watch a really short video as we close that reminds us of what being in Christ in our baptism is all about. He's going to take it all the way back to the Exodus, when Moses, God, led God's people through the water, through the Red Sea. And I want you to listen to his words and say, That's for me. Let it wash over you this morning, and put yourself in his shoes as he runs into God's arms. Let's take a look.
1: You keep reading though, and after God brings Israel out of the water, you sort of wonder if he bet on the wrong horse. Because they still have struggles on their journey, they still have problems along the way. In fact, there are moments when you flat out wonder if they have lost their identity again after their Red Sea moment it's like they keep listening to these voices that whisper to them or shout to them and say you're not who you think you are but maybe that's the point god didn't bring them through the water because they would be perfect he brought them through the water because he knew that they would wander and that they would need an anchor in their story a tether to their identity when lies get shouted at them about who they are and their future now baptism for jesus doesn't just look back to the exodus it looks forward to because our deliverance didn't happen at the red sea with moses arms extended it happened at the cross with jesus arms outstretched we were not rescued from pharaoh's army and we've been saved from the slavery of sin it's not the waters that cleanse us but they symbolize a life that has gone to the cross with jesus and come up from the grave with a new identity of freedom in him as so we're going to have moments when we're tempted to believe that we're the old us instead of the new us You're going to have voices screaming at you that say that you're not holy, you don't belong to Him, you are not loved. But you and I are given a moment to step into the waters, to feel grace wash over us from head to toe. Jesus says be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Your sins may seem to pursue you, but they've been drowned in the blood of Christ shed at the cross. We've been renamed, reclaimed by Jesus. We've been adopted as sons and daughters. We are children of God. Engage in a defiant act of protest against the voices of shame that chase you and tell the world that you belong to Him.
0: something inside of you that wants to experience just that? The feeling of running completely abandoned into the arms of God and jumping in and letting the waters of his grace rush over you and you can. It's not just for the physical act of baptism. That's what you can experience every single day. If you are in Christ, that's who he says you are. And so I'm out there at this baptism service and I'm standing out there about waist deep kind of getting my inner John the Baptist on. And over and over, 22 people, one at a time, are walking out to get baptized. And I know some of their stories. And they weren't running on a dock like that, but in their heart, I think they were. Because they know where they've been and they know that if God had not intervened, they would not be there today. They would not be here. They would not be members of our church because God intervened. And so they're coming out one at a time and I'm, I'm looking at them and I'm praying for them and they're going down and they're coming up as brand new people in Christ. And I could not help but think, this is why we do what we do. This is why it's worth getting up every single day to be the church because there's nothing better than this because this is worth giving our lives to. Because at the end of the day, when God changes somebody's life, man, you can set everything else aside. It doesn't get any better than that. At least for me to to get a front row seat to that. That's what it's all about. And it's almost like when, (laughs) when they're walking out in that water, And I get to give him a big hug. It's almost like God is reaching out his hand and he's reaching out his hand to you this morning, saying, You're mine. Even if you've run away, if you've been far away and disconnected from me recently, you're mine. You always have been. But maybe today it's time to come home and let your father tell you who you are. You're mine. You are my son and you are my daughter, and I love you no matter what circumstances you find yourself in right now. Come and run and jump off that dock and run into my arms. They are always open for you. Let me remind you who you are. You're the church. You are God's people on a movement. Who is Hope Des Moines? A bunch of broken, imperfect men and women that know they are loved by Christ and have been sent on a mission to go and make disciples and love the city of Des Moines. That's who we are, God says, and don't ever forget it. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together and pray. Oh God, it is good to be in your presence this morning. It is good to worship you. It is good to let your word pour over us to remind us of who we are. God, and we're just going to be honest with you this morning. Some of us maybe don't feel that all the time. We don't feel like we're loved. We don't feel like we're accepted. Feel like maybe we've messed up a little bit too much. That we don't, maybe don't deserve to worship you. But God, would you remind us it's only by your grace that we sing, that we worship, that we be the church. God, fill us up with your love this morning till all we want is more of you, is more of you. God, remind us of our baptism. Move us into that place. Remind us that we are family, that we're servants, that we're missionaries, and help us to live into that calling today. God, as we worship you now, I just pray that we could be fully present. Just be with you for these moments. We just want to bless you. We want to bless your name. God, thank you for who you are. And may we walk in your promises this week. And all God's people prayed together. Amen. Let's worship him.